Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Coogan Cassis for Eiffel TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by the the Cobra. Are you selling these t-shirts, Carl? No, I'm give, giving them away. I'm feeling benevolent. Do you want one? Yes. Yes. Double XL. Yes. Double XL. Like a bit of a tight fit. You like it tight, don't you? Not really, mate. No, I don't like it tight at all. So a double XL will suit me fine. Double XL. Coming your way. How are you, Mr. Frog? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Coping. Uh, how's lockdown? You doing homeschooling? A um, little bit. Not much. I'm busy, mate. I'm busy on... Um, I've got a couple of building sites on at the minute. I need to get you on there with a hard hat and a high vis. Mm, don't know about that. <sighs> You've got more chance of falling on your head than catching this cold. Boxing does resume uh, next week. Um, Eddie Hearn announced uh, five UK shows to run between Feb 13th and April the 10th for the immediate um, phase of boxing or the return. But um, I understand you most probably are working on Dillian White's rematch with Povetkin. I am. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah. March 6th. Will he uh, get his revenge, Carl? Dillian? I reckon so, yeah. I reckon so. But it's not, it's not a given, is it? It's heavyweight boxing. Nothing's guaranteed. Um, I spoke to him on my podcast, Froch on Fighting. You know, the, you know the podcast that's in top of the charts at the minute? Yes, I do, yes. Um, Froch Groves 3. It's going really well, actually. It's right up there. Killing it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't monetize these podcasts, can you? <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just have a podcast and people will listen to it and send you appreciation. But it's got a lot of good feedback, this one. Me and Groves had a good chat. Darren Fletcher obviously hosts it with me. And um, yeah, it was good. But anyway, forget the plug. Um, the boxing, Dylan White and Povetkin, great fight. And it's not a given because 
you've seen with heavyweight boxing and you've seen, you've seen the way Dylan White went over with that left uppercut that he threw, Povetkin threw. It was um, quite a bad knockout. But I, I think that White knows he kind of switched off and he, he didn't need to be stood in front of him or, or backing up and throwing sloppy shots. He, needed, he needs to just remain focused. I think Povetkin was getting a bit tired and he'd been over a couple of times. So there was no reason really for, to, to, to assume anything other than, than um, Dillian White boxing for a round or two and then taking him out because that's the way the fight was going. But like I said, heavyweight boxing, one punch changes everything. And um, Povetkin, very wily, old school fighter. He knows what he's doing. He's slippery. He's very cunning. He's got little plans and he sets little traps. And he landed that that monster uppercut. And you can't really you can't really rule that out again, can you? You can't say that's not gonna happen. But I would I would probably I'd like to think that that White will not switch off in the rematch and he'll get the job done. And I reckon he'll get the job done inside the distance. This fight has been postponed twice, sort of now. It was meant to take place in November of twenty twenty. What was it? Injury then COVID. Was I think it was COVID. I think it was just. That's what it was. So yeah, it was meant to take place in uh, in November. Then it touted for the end of January, and now obviously it's March. Is it that little delay there? Who does that benefit more? Does it benefit White does it, or does it benefit Povetkin? That little I, delay. I think I think purely because of the age of uh, Povetkin, it benefits White. Because I know what it's like. I mean, I was thirty six when I retired, but the longer you're out, the the less bothered you or you can't be asked to get back in the gym and get back running well that was me anyway my desire was going towards the end of my career but when you're older you you, you know your fitness is your ability to recover in between in between one minute round or overnight before the next run you do in the morning and if you don't recover in between the sessions which you don't when you're old you don't recover very quick then you don't need more time out because that recovery time gets longer and longer and you become more and more relaxed uncomfortable lying in bed in the morning and I don't know how professional Povetkin is. I'm sure he's, he, don't, he doesn't cut corners. But you can't beat the clock. <clears throat> so the fact that he's older and quite a bit older than White, I'd say that that's, um, that's an advantage for Dylan White, the fight being put back. I think Povetkin will pretty much want to be getting, getting on with it. Because if he's been training nonstop since Povetkin, he'll be knackered. He'll have overtrained. And if he's not been in the gym enough, he'll be feeling old and he'll be having to get back into it like an old cart horse. Because let's not forget, he's, what is he, 41, 40? 40, 40 or 41, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I was 36 feeling like a cart horse, and I was fit and strong. A couple of injuries, but nothing major, really. Well, I had four operations, but nothing major what held me from running or punching or anything. Um, and Povetkin, heavyweight, heavy, big lump, you know, getting sparring's hard. Running's hard on on the joints when you when you're old, so yeah, I think I think this this favors White, and I'm confident. Um, I'm optimistic that he's gonna he's gonna do the business in the rematch. Obviously, that is a, a huge rematch, and he won't be looking past that. But Eddie Hearn did mention recently that if he comes through the Povetkin fight, he'd like to see Dillian White still fight Deontay Wilder. What do you think about that? Oh, I think anyone who fights Deontay Wilder just better be careful because the last thing to leave a fight is his punching power. Um, and he's a monster puncher. Um, so, I don't know. 
I think it's a good fight. It's a fight I'd certainly want to watch. A fight that you'd be excited for in the build-up. Um, but I don't know. Does does White need to be jumping in with um, Deontay Wilder? It depends what's at stake, what's what's on offer. If it's Tony not, if Belli- it's not a final eliminator. What's the point? Mm, Tony Belly said recently to me that he doesn't like that fight for Dillian White at all. Yeah, well, I agree with him. I think I watched that interview actually. Um, that he did with the bomber. Every time I see the bomber, I get a bit nervous. Why? Get flashbacks. <laughs> get flashbacks of the days. You tell you what, Tony used to come in the gym at the EIS and he'd just come and sit at the end of the ring and stand up and do his wrap. Take his age, take him ages to wrap his gloves. He'd put his padding on and he'd put some, some more bandies around and a bit of tape. This is the early days before I got to know him. I used to be trying to break conversation with him. Don't get me wrong, you know, you know him anyway. He's a, he's a nice lad. He's a likeable. He's, he's talkative. But when you're in that fight zone, you're kind of, you're watching your sparring partner thinking, what's he doing? What's he up to? And I'd be looking at him. He'd be looking at me. I'd be shadow boxing. Then he'd go on the pads for a bit and I'd be thinking, oh, I'm not on the pads. I'm just in the mirror. Should I be on the pads? I never do pads before sparring, but I thought, and, and the spar with Bellew, even though we were friends and even though we've got so much respect for each other, I was world champion. He wasn't. He was still at the top. He was like kind of at the peak of his game. It was like heavyweight. This before he stepped up to cruiserweight. But I just used to look over at him and I used to catch him looking at me and then we'd look away and he'd be like, we're having a fight in a minute. I know it's sparring, but it's not... Because I was quite an aggressive sparer. I always used to land big, try and land big shots and spar like I'm fighting. That's just how I was. And I calmed it. I managed to get control of it later on. And especially if I'm sparring someone bigger than me and stronger than me, like Belly was. Um, obviously, if I'm sparring amateurs or people smaller than me, I'm not a bully. I used to take my time, but I'd still let big shots go around the body and still be like, Listen, I'm not here to get my head pummeled. I'm here to, to learn and get a good workout. So if I'm in with Anthony Agogo early on, he used to give me a good spar. And um, there'd be a few of the amateurs actually give me a good spars, a couple of the heavyweights as well. But yeah, me and Belly used to be in the gym, staring at each other, chatting a bit of small talk. And then it'd just be, it'd just be countdown to that first bell. And um, it just depended what mood he was in and what mood I was in, depending on how the spar went. But we had some absolute humdingers. We had some monster spars, mate, honestly, before some of my big fights. He really helped me out massively. And he's a top fighter, a big puncher. And, um, yeah, he gave me some great spars, some great preparation for some um, some title defences. Did anyone uh, get knocked over in your sparring with Bellew? I got caught with a right hand on Bellew. It's the first time I've ever been kind of flash knockdown in sparring. It was a balance and a punch. I can't say it was, like, it was just balance. But I backed him into a corner. I was thinking, I'm back in, this is early days in sparring. And I, I leaped in, like left my chin in the air a bit, left my feet behind me, threw a big right hand. I think he timed me with a right hand. He was, he was sitting back on the ropes or in the corner waiting for me. Yeah, and he timed a right hand. But as he caught me, I was, re, I was leaning over my punches. So I was totally, totally doing everything wrong. Similar to when Groves knocked me down in that first fight, I was kind of leaping forward and reaching in with a stupid shot and just walked, got caught square on. But yeah, belly whipped me with a shot and I went over. Got straight back up, finished the round and then hammered him for the next five rounds. Not really. <laughs> I carried the spar on though. It was good. It was a nice little wake-up call. McCracken went, listen, you switched off, you leaped in, you got, you got caught. That's boxing. I was like, yeah, all right. I'm not even bothered. I'm not arsed. I'm really not arsed. I've been put over three times in my life, once by Jermaine Taylor, then once by Bellew in sparring, flash knockdown, carried the spar, finished another seven, eight rounds of sparring, and then Grovesy boy in the first fight. 
Is that, that public it, knowledge that Bellew Sparway knocked you down? Is, that, is it what? Is it public knowledge? Is it? Is it? I think so. Yeah, I've mentioned it before. I'm not yeah. asked to get put down in spine. The money world titles aren't on the line. He's bigger than me, isn't he? Big fucking bully. Hitting me hard on the chin. What's he doing? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I used to send big. I used to. That's why I used to enjoy spine Bellew. I used to get nervous before the spar, but I used to enjoy it because I knew that you could take my punches when I'm big. Um, Rival gloves, um, like 16 or 18 ounce, a real big pad of gloves. And um, yeah, I thought, I'm not taking liberties with someone who's three inches taller and probably two stone heavier. So I used to send them in and he didn't mind. And he used to send his punches in as well. And I didn't mind. So it was great. It was good spar. And at the end of it, we'd shake hands, have a chat about the sparring until the next time. But it was proper spar, proper nervous spar. But if you, if you enjoy the sparring and you don't get nervous before the sparring, I don't think you're sparring properly. I used to get a little bit nervous before I sparred Chris Eubank Jr. A bit smaller than me, a lot lighter than me. Obviously, he don't punch as hard as me. He still punches a bit, but he's fit and tough and keeps coming. And he, he saps your energy when, he, when he's, when he's um, attacking you because you're keeping out of the way, trying to, trying to get yourself in a safe place. And he kind of, he overwhelms you and you kind of, Tensing up, and if you're not breathing properly, you're blowing out your ass. So he used to give me good spars as well for, for diff- different reasons. I used, used to sharpen me up, and you know I could work on different things because I could try stuff out with Chris Eubank Jr. And it, it didn't really matter um, if I got clipped um, because he wasn't going to put me over. I mean, I don't think you'll mind me saying that, but he was a middleweight, and I was a super middleweight. Bellew, Bellew's bigger than me, and he punches hard. So that was a that was a spar where I had to be a bit careful. You know what I mean? But all my spars against the against the good fighters. Like when I sparred George Groves, that was tough early on. You know what I mean? The, the good spars are the ones that get you ready for ready for a fight. The, the spars that you don't look forward to and don't enjoy. You probably heard David Hay say that if you're not doing the sparring correctly and and you're not nervous about the spar and you're not thinking to yourself, "Fucking hell, I could do without this." Um, I don't really fancy this spar. If you're not thinking that, you're not sparring right. You can't be going in the ring tickling with a jab and piss farting around, just touch, touch spar. And every now and again, you do a technical spar or touch spar. But I think to be a top world champion, you didn't even ask me any of this, did you? I'm just telling you. <laughs> I didn't ask you none of it. We were talking about Dilly, uh, to be a top, to be a, let, let me finish, let me finish. But to, to, be a, to be a top world champion, any, any, any amateurs about to turn pro, any young pros now with aspirations of becoming world champions, take this advice off me. Make sure your sparring is really competitive and really hard. And you should be, unless you're not the nervous type, but you should be thinking to yourself, I'm in deep water here a little bit. This is going to be tough. You should be thinking that before you spars and the spar should be tough. Otherwise, you're not getting prepared for the fight. But there you go. There's my little bit of wisdom for you. For what it's worth. Well, I actually found that actually quite interesting. But we did, yeah, we did go off, off subject. It was about Tony... Bellew making comments that you agreed with that White should probably stay away from Wilder, according to Bellew, and you kind of agreed with that. Yeah, just box a bit. Use his counter-punching, that left hook, big puncher, and I think you can take care of um, Povetkin. Just don't do anything silly. It's easier said than done because, you know, in the heat of the moment, you start exchanging blows. You get clipped. See, I don't know what it's like to be, to be put out. I've never been knocked. I've been put down, but I've never been in my head going into a fight thinking I could get done here. So it's kind of, it's different. And obviously we don't know how White's going to be after that knockout. Hopefully he spars well and he's, he's confident and he believes that he's going to be okay. But I don't want to see a cagey White because that could give um, Povetkin momentum 
early on in a fight, which you don't want to be doing. Mm. But what do I know? What do I know about heavyweight boxing? I'm a super middleweight champ. Glenn guns. <laughs> anyway, go on. Okay. Um, are you confident we do get to see AJ Fury this year? It talks are ongoing now. We're hoping for an announcement within the next few weeks. Uh, contracts have been sent, according to Eddie Hearn. So, yeah, hopeful of that. Yeah, what's happening with the Wilder situation with Fury? Don't know. Honestly, There's no God. like official announcement, is there, with that WBC mandatory thing? But he's on about fighting um, Charles Martin, I believe. Wilder, yeah. yeah. But he's I don't mad. know what the situation is, he... is with Fury and, and he's Wilder. Not right in the head about Charles Martin. Last time we heard him talk, he was talking about the Matrix or something. Is that him? It was him, wasn't it? Don't remember him talking about the Matrix. Yeah, he's on about the Matrix. Going a bit deep. I don't know if he'd. But AJ Fury, you confident it, it, we will see it this year? Well, provided there's no obstacles or hurdles in the way. Yeah, I reckon so. Why not? So much uncertainty with this um, this pandemic situation, you know. So you've got to take your chances and take your opportunities. Otherwise, you don't know you don't know when you're going to be out. And I know it's different for people like Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury who are the top of their game and they're in the heavyweight division which is kind of different from everybody else in all the other divisions but having said that it's still a fight that now can be made and will be big well it'll be massive biggest fight in world boxing and I don't know it could go away something could happen someone could get injured someone could fight one of them could take another fight and you know and you can imagine that fight never happening it'd be a tragedy so Whilst everybody's agreeing, whilst people want to fight, you know Fury does, he's quite excited about it. AJ's making all the right noises. I'm still not 100% convinced that AJ wants to fight, um, although he's been, he's been a little bit more vocal of late, which is good. Um, but I'm sure his management team and Eddie Hearn and McCracken and et cetera, they all will be saying to him, listen, this is, this is the time. This fight's going to happen, really. This is, we need to strike now while the iron's hot because it can be made can be what? made somewhere very special in the world, wherever it will go to, whether it's Saudi, Singapore, somewhere in America, I don't know. Ideally, it'd be in England, wouldn't it, at Wembley Stadium. But who knows? But if that, if, if, if Fury's agreeing and, and, and AJ's in a grill that they want to fight and the promotional companies and TV companies can get sorted, because BT Sports, Sky Sports, who's it going to be with? Is it going to be on both? Who knows? Does it own in the mix? But, yeah, let's get it on, get it sorted, because... We need to see it. There might be more than one as well. They might not just fight once. There'll definitely be a rematch in there. So depending on how the first fight goes, we'll determine as to whether or not there's going to be two or maybe even three. So let's get it going. Let's get it on. Why aren't you entirely convinced that AJ wants it? Um, his interview after his fight with Pulev, I wasn't... I don't know. I said it on Sky. I wasn't sure why he didn't want to agree to say... I know he said, OK, I'll... He asked the crowd and then says, if, if it's Fury, Fury's got the belt, then Fury it is. But when, when he asked him, who are you going to fight next or who do you want to fight next? I don't know why he just didn't say Tyson Fury. That's the fight we want to... That's the fight everyone wants to see, but that's the fight, more importantly, that's the fight I want. He never said that. And um, don't forget, I know how fighters' minds work because I've been a world champion once upon a time. And... Um, 
I didn't particularly like talking about Andre Ward because I knew it was going to be a hard fight and I knew I was going to have my hands full, awkward and horrible. And you kind of don't want to acknowledge it when you're not that comfortable about it. You know, so I don't know. I just got a little bit of negativity from AJ. I may be totally reading it wrong. I'm not a psychologist. But you know that Fury wants the fight. You know he means business and you know he wants to get in there and his confidence is going to win. I can't say the same for AJ. I can see AJ. I can see how AJ wins the fight. I can, I can see why he should be confident, and he's got all the attributes and all the skills to, to do a number on um, Fury. It's obviously just pulling it off on the night, in the heat of the moment, and when the pressure, when the pressure's on. Have you made your pick for this already? I have. Yeah, I, I picked um, Fury to win on points, but I don't. I don't know. That this, that was before the. Um, that was for the AJ Pulev fight, and I thought AJ performed really well against Pulev. I didn't, I didn't like the way he, he took his foot off the gas in round four, five, six after having a really good round three. But that was probably a, an energy thing. Probably he felt probably tired because he put a lot of work in round three. He didn't get the stoppage, and then he had a few rounds off. But on my card, he lost the next couple of rounds, um, which wasn't a good sign. But then it was a great finish. But having said that, it was a great finish against an old man who was blowing out of his arse, you know, by by then. Pulev was, he had nothing. So it's hard to gauge. But to summarise, AJ's performance against Pulev, it was a very good performance. He showed a bit of his old aggression and his finishing abilities. is capable of putting shots together and putting pressure on his opponent when he's got them hurt. And he did that late on. It was a great knockout, great finish. <clears throat> but it was against a... A, a real kind of a I don't know he didn't want much in front of him was he after round five the one much in front of him but you can't criticise that he, he he had a great first couple of rounds two or three rounds brilliant round three and it was an exceptional finish great finish so he ticked a lot of boxes for me there AJ following on from that hit and run and boxing class that he put on against um, Ruiz in the rematch but it's just he's not been busy has he no one has really it's, I mean there's not been much happening. So he's had the two Ruiz fights, which weren't great fights, let's be honest. And then the Pulev fight. And now he's going to jump in with Tyson Fury. So I'm still making Fury the favourite on points, even based on that last performance from AJ, which I thought was, was a pretty good performance. One of the situations that does seem to have resolved itself around this potential fight with Fury and AJ is the WBO situation. It looks like uh, Alexander Usek will fight Joe Joyce, uh, really? possibly in April, yeah, for mm. an interim title for the WBO. So it looks That's a good like, fight, that is. I watched yeah, that on the World Series. They did five rounds, didn't they, in the WSB. I've never, seen, um, I've never seen Joyce dealt with, so it wasn't really, really comfortable. I shouldn't say comfortable, but... But Usyk really did do well in that fight, didn't he? Because Joyce just keeps to, seems to pull on forward and keep coming forward. And he puts his opponents under serious pressure and gets them gets them out of there. He's, he's, you know, a lot of people didn't think that um, he'd be able to do that against Dubois. And and he did. So, But Usyk, if anyone has not seen that fight with Usyk in the, in the World Series of Boxing, they should have a look at it because... Usyk's quite quite good, isn't it? Let's be honest. Good fighter. It's pretty tasty. But that's a good fight, them two. That is a very good fight. Is he not getting paid then to step aside? He's talking silly money on it to take a little... 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the situation is regarding like that about him kind of stepping aside. But so when he fights um, Joyce, what's yeah. it for? The, well, apparently the interim WBO title, interim. which I, I believe at some point they could be elevated to like a full champion after AJ and Fury have fought for it. I've got to be honest, you know the international and the interim and all the bullshit titles. You win these interim titles and all these, what they're called, the WBC International, all these pony titles that don't mean anything. Before you even win a British, what happened to English air or area title? I won the English title, Alan Page. I won the British title, Damon Haig. I defended it against Brian McGee, Tony Dodson, Robin Reed. I've learned my trade, British level, stroke world level, because McGee and Reed were, and even Dodson had a go. Well, he didn't actually. He didn't really have a go. Um, and then you fight for a WBC eliminator. Then I jumped in with Pascal. But by the time I fought for the world title against Pascal, I'd had all them fights and won that British title outright. I don't subscribe to all this interim. I don't know about you or how you feel about it, but the sport's changed massively, hasn't it? It's, it's just like, you know, it's not. It's if like, you're getting into boxing, you don't understand all these belts: the WBC, the IBF, the WBA, the major three. Then you've got the WBO running as a close fourth. You know. Close, it's in fourth place and it's trying to get in there with the top three. Mayweather gave the WBO quite a bit of credibility. But then you start going international and interim and the WBA regular, WBA super, you start, it even confuses like the people who know what they're talking about. You know, so the people who are getting into it are like, who's the world champ here? What's that belt he's got yeah, around no, I'm sure everyone echoes these thoughts about the belts, Carl. Good old-fashioned, passionate British title, Lonsdale belt, win it outright, get that on your belt. I should have brought that into the interview. It's on my top shelf, mate. Beautiful belt. Win that outright. Show us what you got. And then step up to world level. But I'm just old school now. I'm 43. I was chatting to someone last week on a building site. And the geezer looked like a fully grown man. He had a hairy chest and a beard. And I thought, who's this geezer here? I'm chatting away to him. Um, he went, oh, I remember when I was a kid. When I was a young kid and I watched you fight for the I watched you fight for the world title. I thought when you was a kid and you watched me fight for the world title. And I'm thinking to myself, bloody hell, how old am I? So this guy was like twenty-two. And I'm thinking to myself, I forgot I'm forty-three. I forget I'm forty-three years old. So I'm talking to this fully grown man who's telling me he was a kid when he watched me fight for the world title. So I'm I'm banging on about the British title and winning it outright. It's probably it's probably not even relevant, is it nowadays? No, it's a shame, though, because that British saying, title means a lot. You're right in what you're saying about fighters learning kind of from area to English to British title, then, or Commonwealth as well, that, that little stage there, Commonwealth, then British. Listen, that Commonwealth title fight that I had against Charles Adama, King Charles Adama, he was solid. He just kept coming forward. And until I knocked him down in round eight, I was like, I'm struggling here. This is close. I'm tired. It's my first 12-rounder. It was my 12th fight, my first 12-rounder. And I, I thought I was absolutely exhausted in round eight. And I thought I was knackered. And Rob McCracken said to me, you're not knackered. You've done 12 rounds. How many times in sparring? Just put it on him. Put the shots together. And I put the shots together and dropped him in round, I think it was round eight or nine. Referee Marcus McDonald scored it. Scored it. And I got the win, 116-113. So with that knockdown, two, that, that means how, how close was that fight? But that was a 12-rounder, proper grueler. And yeah, 12th fight for the Commonwealth title. And them kind of fights set you up. Like, look at my resume after the world title. Would I have been ready for that? Would I have even been ready for Jean Pascal? 
if I didn't win the British title outright and then fight the Commonwealth for the Commonwealth title in them kind of fights. I don't think I would have been. But it's different now. It is different. Straight in for the WBA interim or the regular and then straight in for the world title and get yourself ironed out, get yourself polaxed, get a good payday and then come again. Why not? Um, you mentioned previously Chris Eubank there. Chris Eubank obviously recently signed with Calatowland has been linked with fights with um, Liam Williams and mm. Kel Brook has been mentioned, him and Eubank. Uh, what do you think about them fights for Chris Eubank? Like Kel Brook, Liam Williams? Yeah, decent fights. Um, he called them warm-ups. Eubank called both of those fights a warm-up. Yeah, it's a bit of an insult, that. Especially to um, Kel Brook, but Kel Brook is, is way past his best. And um, I don't know. I think maybe he's, he's kind of wants to really think long and hard about whether or not he wants to fight again. He obviously does. And he criticised me a little bit or he, he was a bit annoyed with me when I said that he's cashing out, taking the... Um, was Keith, was it Keith Thurman? Or was it... Uh, Terence Crawford. Terence Crawford. So, taking the Crawford fight, I was like, no, he's cashing out here. Let's be honest. And he got pissed off. So, I messaged him and said, listen, there's nothing personal. I just, I just don't think you should be taking this fight after your last couple of performances. You need to be getting back into it. And he says, oh, I appreciate the message. And um, I was like, take it easy. Good luck. All the best. I want you to win. I wish you all the best, you British fighter. He's my mate, Kelbrook. I sparred him. He, he helped me for the Andre Durrell fight, the first fight in the Super Series, Super Six. But um, I just got to be honest, mate. I got to be honest. I think the Triple G fight took a lot out of him. I don't think he ever recovered. He, he, he put a great performance against Errol Spence as well. I was really impressed with that. But obviously, his face didn't hold up, did it? He, got, he was injured. Um, and then we know what happened in his next fight. And... Now he's on about jumping in. I don't know. Newbank's a middleweight. He's quite a tough middleweight as well. And um, Calbrook's not a middleweight. It's a good fight, though. It's a good fight, but I think I think Newbank will be too much for him. I think he'll be too busy and too strong. It's a bit of a bit of a foregone conclusion that fight. But I'd like Calbrook to prove me wrong and put up a good performance. Canelo, obviously in action against uh, Yildrim at the end of this month. He comes through that fight, the fight of Billy Joe Saunders. Should happen. Um, you sp- I remember speaking to you and Billy Joe Saunders probably a couple of years ago. I think it was in Sheffield. And you, you said that he was capable of, of doing something with Canelo, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I, th- I thought he was. When you see him fight and you see his fast hands and his skill set and his movement. Um, but I don't know. I've looked at Canelo and thought, he doesn't look like he's interested there. And he, you know, he, against Kovalev, he plodded a bit, but he, he got the job done. Um and then, and then you watch him again, and then he looks fantastic, Canelo. It's, it's when he can be... I think it's when he decides to switch it on. I don't think he got out of second gear. No disrespect to Callum Smith. But I don't think Canelo got out of second gear. I don't think there was enough pressure on him. I don't think there was enough urgency or, or work from Callum. It was a really, really disappointing performance from Callum Smith, in my, in my humble opinion. Um, and I just thought to myself, why? I mean, it wasn't that tricky for him. Um, sometimes it's tricky to let your shots go and try and... I mean, don't get me wrong, Canelo, great head movement, great defence, top fire, but Callum Smith's a naturally bigger guy and taller, rangy. And I just think Callum Smith's better than that. 
Um, but was Canelo that good? He just dealt with him and nullified him and just outclassed him, really. Maybe maybe he was. So I think the Canelo-Billy Joe Saunders fight for me now is a bit of a wider margin based on that performance and, and based on based on what I've seen. But um, Billy Joe's as capable and as good as, as good as challengers as anybody else I can think about for Canelo at the minute, really, realistically. And I know Billy Joe will, will train for that train properly for that and go in there and have a proper go he's got that mindset and that mentality where he'll leave it all in there so it'll be an exciting fight and can he win maybe he can pull off the upset but it's it's, it's pretty unlikely isn't it let's be honest based on Canelo's last performance the way he's looked but great fight I'll certainly be tuning in um, so I think you, I think your Hampton's touching your mic. It's all fuzzing up. Can't hear. Oh, I said your pod. Can you hear me now? I got you now. Yeah. Hear me now. Hear me now. Your podcast with George Groves the other day. So what? A podcast Froch on fighting. It's the best podcast out there. It's the absolute nuts. Froch on fighting. Get on it. Yeah, go on. Like and subscribe. Uh, what was the end conclusion to it? Are you just going to have another fight or what? It was a bit of a laugh. It was a bit of a weird one. He was talking about fighting again. Let's not do, let's not have rounds. Just keep going. And I was quite polite because like I said, I, I thought, you know, when you think of things you can say after the event and it's too late. But when he said, we'll just have loads of rounds, we'll just keep going until someone drops. He's, I, I should have said, well, you've never been past round nine, have you? So 12, 12 should be enough really. But I don't want to be horrible to grow and come across like I'm, because if I say something like that, he's not bothered because he knows what I'm like. But people listening think, oh, that frotch is horrible. He's beaten twice. The first one was a robbery, as people say, as the idiots say. Perfect stoppage by Howard Foster. You know what, though? Grove's still adamant that that was the worst stoppage in world boxing, the worst stoppage ever. If you're not listening to the podcast, have a listen. It was a bit awkward at times. And I'd say something, and then he'd disagree. And I'd be like, yeah, but... Your arms were down by your side and your head was hanging over because that's because Howard Foster, Foster had me in a headlock. I went, yeah, but your head went down as I hit you with a right hand left hook, right hand off the ropes. And he was like, I hit you with a big right hand before that. And he was having none of it. And I was like, yeah, listen, that was a great stoppage. Maybe it was a bit early, but you was getting done. You was getting done. And he was like, no. So if you, if you haven't listened to him, watch the podcast. Watch it. But there's no odd feelings of, with, with me and Grovesy boy. I, I messaged him today and yesterday and he... He stuck it on Twitter for me just to just to promote the pod, and it's it's gone really well. Um, people have enjoyed it, and that's the only reason I do the podcast because I enjoy it. Me and Darren Fletcher have a bit of a laugh, and he gets on there. Like I said, it's not monetized; we don't make anything from it. But we sit, I sit in my office, he sits at home, and we have we have a bit of a chat for an hour, and we have a bit of a laugh. And we've not done one for ages. We've had like three or four weeks off. There's not been loads to talk about. Um, the last one was White, but that can kind of build up to their first scheduled rematch, and then. I managed to message Groves and say, do you fancy coming on? And he came on and we had an hour and a half. We had a right long chat, a real good chat. So I enjoyed it. And, you know, the fans that went to the, to the fight, there's a few there, quite a few there. You know, they, they'd be interested in watching. They'd be interested in watching us to have a talk on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast and just to see how we've kind of evolved as as friends now if you like and I do class George Groves as a friend and I mean that when I say it he's, he's a nice kid he's a nice guy I call him a kid because he's 11 years younger than me but he's a nice he's a nice guy he's got he's got his missus got two two ch- two children now so he's, he's for me he's matured a little bit he's realized 
he's, he's realised he's had to grow up. But they might think cheeky twat telling me I've got to grow up. But I think he's grown up a lot since I first met him and first knew him. But no, I enjoyed having the chat with him. It went down well. And I hope the people that attended the fight, people that watched it on Sky, um, I hope it gave them something back. And that's why we, that's why we did it. One of the best build-ups to a British fight ever, not just the recent years, but of ever. I'm sure everyone who remembered the, the couple of years it kind of ran from. I just watched the press conference, just a little clip on Instagram on the press conference, and I had my belts one one over each shoulder, and I was going, "You're getting absolutely flattened," and you know it as well. You're getting flattened. See these two belts? Look at them. You're not. <laughs> and then he said something, and I said, "Walking off on your pink salmon pants or something." <laughs> and I forgot about I forgot about all that. And then he got me on ringside, and he said, "You're going to cry, Carl. You're going to cry." And I'm like, "What are you about? I'm not going to cry." And I asked him about it on a podcast. I said, did you actually think I was going to cry? Did you, like, genuinely, did you think I was going to cry and be reduced to tears? And I don't know if he's like, well, I do know he's, he's, he's like on the wind-up, but he says, come on, Carl, you know you was going to cry. You know you was. I, I could see it, and I was thinking, can you just give me an honest answer? But at the time, at the time when all that happened, especially the first fight, well, I suppose only the first fight, I was absolutely fucking fuming. <laughs> I was fuming. And that's why I tried to chin him in round one and ended up walking into one. You know, your, your brother, what was it? Where was your brother when he went, George, in your heart of hearts? What, where was that? Was that on the pitch at Wembley? He said that. It might have been. It might have been, yeah. The, the reporter said to you, did your brother do your talking for you? Yeah, the guy from my TV. Ask him. Yeah, that's it. You've gone really quiet, by the way. I can barely hear you again. Wait right there. Can you hear me now? You're teabagging your microphone, aren't you? <laughs> um, weirdo. All right, well, listen, I know uh, you said you had to go when we first started this. That was about 20 minutes ago. The time's ran. I'm all right, mate. I've not got much to do. So if you want to get some more footage and dilute it and edit it and do what you do with it, you can do. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. There's not much um, to talk about, is there? Looking forward to the Povetkin-White rematch. There's a couple of fights on before that. Lee Wood's fighting um, for the British title. I'm looking forward to that. Um, who else? Kelly. Uh, Avenicio, great fight. Kelly Avenicio in the 20th. What, Connor Ben fight. What do you reckon to that one? It's a tough fight. I think it's a tough fight for Josh. I think it's a very I good fight. I think that Josh Kelly's, Josh Kelly's really talented and really skillful. He looks, and Adam Boove, obviously. He's still with Adam Boove, right? Yes. So he obviously, he knows what he's doing. He knows the game. And Kelly's a proper talent, but... I just, I don't know. This is a fight where you're going to decide whether or not, you're going to, you're going to find out whether or not he belongs at world level or whether he's just, he just looks good because he does look very good, very skillful, very talented, does all, the, does all the moves, all the elusive stuff and slipping and landing shots and making his opponents miss. But I've seen him struggle as well. I think he was lucky. Did he get the draw or did he get the win? Drew, I think he was lucky to get the draw Whether, everyone's entitled to a bad night though so hopefully he put that behind him and uh, um, does the business in his next fight but that's a great one I'm looking forward to that one and I'm backing him I think he can do the job and I want him to but I you know when I give my opinion sometimes people think oh I don't want him to win of course I want these guys to win the British the fighters like me or like I used to be I know what they go through you want them to do the business but um, you've got to be honest and I reckon he's a fantastic talent but he's got to show us in his next fight. He's got to show us. Um, what? 
What are the fights we've got to look forward to? Conor Ben's in action, 10th of April against uh, Samuel Vargas. Actually, Conor Ben, Kelly, that's the next one, isn't it? After that, if they both come yeah. through, which I'm sure they will. That's a good fight, that is. Mm. I think that's a tough one for Ben. Lawrence O'Coley's got his world title shot March 20th against uh, Wacky. Oh, Wacky, yeah. Is he? That's going to be a decent little fight, isn't it, surely? Yeah. Wacky's probably his Glowacki. Um, What's he doing lately? Well, the fight was meant to have happened on the AJ Pulev card, wasn't it? But it didn't. Yes. So, yeah, it's been rescheduled for March 20th. Right, okay. March 20th. Yeah, but other than that, mate, nothing to get really excited about until the AJ Fury or Fury AJ fight. Yeah. That's the one. Well, Carl Froch, appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. We're sure surely catch up with you White Povetkin week he's uh, not that far away yeah, definitely. four weeks away so yeah four weeks away from that one I'm going to try and get out to Spain before then if I can I've got to check the rule quarantine or anything if you're, if you're working around. I, know, I don't know what the, I don't think they're on the red list or whatever where you've got to come back and go in a bloody studio who's going to come back and go in a hotel for 10 days and sit in a hotel room there's no holiday that's worth that to be honest <sighs> Like, it just takes the piss, doesn't it? Absolute, like, piss take. People just aren't going to go away, are they? they just, you just won't go and then have to come back and do that quarantine bullshit. No, no. It's just mad. When's your next holiday? When you, what are you planning to go away? I want to go I'm away not, in the summer. I've got a baby coming in 10 days. I'm not doing yeah, anything. you've got no I? chance. You've got no chance for a while. See, yeah. I go to Spain for six weeks through the whole of like two, two, the last two weeks in July and the whole of August. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen, do we, with this, with this COVID nonsense? It seems to be getting deeper and deeper, doesn't it? And getting further and further. We're coming to New Year, coming to 2021, optimistic that things are going to return to, to some kind of normal. And it's just not happened, has it? Not so far, no. What's it like where you are? Where you, where you sat? You just sat indoors, like, not doing much. Do you get out much? No, I haven't really been going anywhere. No. One trip to the supermarket once a week and that's it. Okay, no, Carl, no. thank you very much to IFL TV. And uh, we'll no doubt we'll catch up with you uh, just before March the 6th. Yeah, always a pleasure, Coogan. Keep yourself looking slick. And um, I'll see you soon. Definitely. Coogan Cass is here with Carl the Cobra Frotch for IFL TV. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.